Welcome to On the Job with Porak, your go-to place for public safety and officer rights, giving you the news you need to know and discussing the issues that matter. Welcome to On the Job with Porak. I'm Brian Marvel, president of Porak, and with me today is Brent Meyer, vice president of Porak. Hey, Brian. Today, we're going to talk about our recent trip back to D.C., which started with our participation in Police Week and concluded with our two days of advocacy on Capitol Hill with our executive committee members for the spring fly-in. It coincided with Police Week, uh, which honor and memorializes um, all our fallen officers from the previous year, 2017. And um, it's a great opportunity for us to uh, come together and show the camaraderie and the family of being somebody who wears a badge uh, to let the family members know that we're never going to forget the sacrifice of their family member for not only their local communities, but the nation as a whole. I thought it turned out to be a, uh, a wonderful uh, event, um, very moving. I highly recommend it for other peace officers throughout the United States to at least attend this once in their lifetime, maybe not more. It's a great tribute. They do a wonderful job in Washington, D.C., and I'm excited for the Police Museum, which will be opening up in October. And uh, what were some of your thoughts about that, uh, just Police Week piece of it? This is my fourth year going back. Uh, it's always a very somber uh, tribute uh, honoring our, our fallen across the country. Um, Concerns of Police Survivors, a great partner of PORAC, uh, does a great job at uh, putting on some of the events with the National Law Enforcement Memorial and you know, I, I think every law enforcement officer in this country uh, should at least go once. I was having a conversation with a, another uh, cop back there, and we were just talking about how, how much you actually see when you're around uh, fellow officers from all over the country, and you realize just really the importance of our job and the sacrifice that uh, we make, and really to look at and meet some of the families who've uh, had their moms and dads and uh, fellow partners give the ultimate sacrifice. I don't think you really know the gravity or feel the gravity of it until you've actually talked to them. Yeah, I felt really, um, you know, on Tuesdays, the actual memorial. Um, this year, the uh, President of the United States, uh, President Donald Trump, and the Vice President, uh, Mike Pence, uh, both gave speeches. And I thought it was very touching uh, when the President got to the New York NYPD detective. Um, he actually broke from his speech and called the family up to the stage and uh, had a little bit of an informal conversation and sort of went off script. And I felt that was uh, really the highlight for me because here is somebody who uh, knows that he has time constraints because of who he is, but he was willing to take the time out to, to recognize this family and the sacrifice um, of their family member uh, being killed in the line of duty. Um, I just thought that just went over extremely well uh, at the memorial and having them up on the stage and then walking them down uh, and shaking some hands I thought was really the highlight of uh, that Tuesday. But was it just the coolest thing from our president to uh, the officer's partner uh, actually said something to him and he said, why don't you tell them? And he, he talked about his partner and, and how he was there when, uh, when she was killed and what she meant to his agency. And I just thought that that was, number one, a class act on the president's part, but it also... I mean, it's what Police Week was all about, and to see uh, and have the support of 
the president of the United States now for a second year in, the ro- in a row and seeing really just his dedication to law enforcement and then members of his cabinet that were there to also support law enforcement um, just by far uh, not something I've seen in the last three years prior. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I think the police museum is going to be so important when that comes online. Um, I know one of the things that they're doing at the police museum is actually recording officers uh, and their experiences so we can actually personalize what it's like to be an officer on the beat working the streets. Um, So that was uh, a great time. Uh, Cops, fantastic partners with PORAC, concerns of police survivors. I'm very thankful for everything that they did for us in Washington, D.C., and I appreciate uh, working with them. Moving on to our other reason we flew to D.C., it was a very long week. Uh, Couldn't tell you how much we walked, but I know we walked a lot. Um, We met with, I think, over 17 elected officials, and uh, at one point, uh, you and I, along with uh, Rudy Perez from L.A. Schools Police, um, had an opportunity and uh, had an opportunity to meet with the attorney general, uh, which I think was uh, uh, amazing that we were able to get some of his time, considering how busy he was, and uh, be able to talk about some of our issues. Um, but I'll come back to that a little bit later. But one of the uh, first bills that we supported there was uh, HR five zero six zero, the Heroes Leslie Zarebny and Gilbert Vega First Responder Survivor Act. This is sponsored by Representatives Raul Ruiz of Palm Desert and Paul Cook of Yucca Valley. And this takes a look at our public safety officers benefit package. Um, If you are uh, killed in the line of duty or death and disability, uh, provides educational benefits at the federal, state, and local level. And it hasn't been reviewed in quite a while, and they are trying to get it passed or increase the survivor benefits from uh, 250000 to 500000 and then increase the educational benefits from $1,400 a month to uh, approximately $2,000. Um, it's long overdue, and um, obviously the, uh, the two officers that are uh, named in this um, were unfortunately killed in the line of duty, but I definitely think it's uh, well worth PORAC supporting that. What are your thoughts on this, Brent? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look across the country at the number of officers that are killed every year, and they're from all ever, all the different states uh, in the union. And we uh, often forget that um, some cost of living uh, in different states is affects uh, your quality of life. If you're uh, the main breadwinner and your loved one uh, loses their life in the line of duty and their family is left with uh, not only... Uh, no longer a family member and we're left with no longer a law enforcement officer uh, but they're left to fend for themselves and and a lot of times have to pick up the the slack when it comes to you know providing for kids and and relatives and so I I think it's a good time to look at it and really uh, assess what the benefit is and what it should be going forward uh, to make sure that all law enforcement officers families in light of the sacrifice that that they make um, unfortunately, uh, are taken care of and and they don't have to worry uh, as they try and reconstruct their lives following such a loss like that. Absolutely. And, you know, that's definitely one of the things that we do well at PORAC is carrying the torch for the family members of fallen officers. And um, to be able to do this on the national level, 
um, I think is, is very good for our state um, and also dealing with it at the state level. One of the other bills, and, and we talked about this on our last podcast, obviously school safety is a huge issue. Um, there's another uh, federal uh, federal measure, H.R. 5307, the School Training Equipment and Protection Act. This is different than the First Step Act, which is about criminal uh, justice reform. Um, this really deals with getting down to the school levels and making sure uh, to enhance school safety. Um, this allocates about $50 million to improve school safety, including allowing schools to acquire technologies and systems and alarms that would notify law enforcement officers of an active shooter and help faculty and police protect the students. Um, it also will allow funds to be used to prepare faculty with know-how to respond in active shooter situations. And I know some of the stuff that we discussed with a lot of the elected officials was there. It was making sure that all our school districts have active shooter plans that are actually up to date and that the agencies that are serving those school districts are well aware of them and informed on how to address those types of incidents. And I thought it was well received. Um, one of our big issues was to, uh, to get some additional sponsors on there. Um, this is being brought by Representative Steve Knight out of Antelope Valley, California. I know he's one of the LAPD uh, officers. He used to be with LAPD. Um, so I know this is near and dear to his heart, as it is with us, especially with all the tragedy that we're seeing throughout the United States regarding school shootings. Unfortunately, so timely, uh, given our trip and what happened in Galveston last week. Yeah, and it's one of those things where I think there's a lot of stuff that can be done immediately. And, you know, sometimes when you go to D.C. or even Sacramento, people want political wins. But I just don't know if this is something that should be politicized I think, as versus something that should be done immediately and now to protect our kids who are our future to make sure that they have a safe environment to, uh, to learn. Absolutely. I mean, schools should right now, if they haven't done so already, I mean, really look at their school site safety plan, uh, make sure that their, organ, their, their site is uh, secure, that they have everything they need to keep our kids safe. Um, if they don't, then they need to be funded so that they can. There's really no excuse uh, in this day and age, given the uh, tragic events of the last six months in this country, uh, that we can't make sure that our schools are safe or have school resource officers or have anything that is going to make sure that those kids go home every day after the bell rings. Very true. Very true. Moving on to the next bill that we really carried in uh, Washington, D.C. is H.R. 4846. This is the Public Safety Employer Employee Cooperation Act. Um, although we do have the benefit of uh, collective bargaining here in the state of California, uh, we felt it was important to try to get collective bargaining for uh, peace officers throughout the United States at a federal level. Um, there are a lot of states uh, that don't currently allow that. And I think if you look at California and the way that we collectively bargain for our contracts, it uh, creates a lot of harmony and peace between labor and management uh, when you have an opportunity to sit down to resolve a lot of these issues, um, especially some of the hot-button topics that are going on here in our state. And I think by giving everybody the opportunity to be able to sit down with their management and their cities and their counties and work out what type of contract um, would be beneficial for everybody involved, making sure that community safety is a high priority, um, I think just benefits everybody involved in the process. 
No, you're right. I think it raises the professionalism, and it's it's really Deporak's heritage that we uh, lead in profession in law enforcement across the country. We we try and speak for law enforcement in California, but I think we have an obligation uh, to where we can uh, lift the professionalism and the ability for other law enforcement organizations, associations, unions, whatever you call them, uh, to be able to bargain for uh, gr- good working conditions and the amount the quality of money that they would need to attract good candidates to protect our communities and not have some of the issues that we've seen in in uh, previous decades where there's graft and, and corruption, uh, but you have officers that are out there doing the right thing. We're asking them to do a dangerous um, but honorable job, and we ask them to go to court and testify. Um, these things that require uh, a character that's above and beyond any other uh, profession uh, that is in our country. And also, um, I think it's important to know that uh, just here in the state of California with PORAC, uh, PORAC members have the opportunity to get some premier training on collective bargaining through PORAC. Um, I would ask that people go to our website if you're interested in any of this training. It's relatively inexpensive, and we put a lot of it on. Um, and we do enjoy some special rights here in California regarding collective bargaining, and you should take advantage of that. And it's such an ever-changing uh dynamic, right? I mean, we're, we're constantly seeing the laws change. We're seeing uh, the different things that are being asked for, the different competitiveness of different agencies uh, to attract officers. And one of the great things about our, our courses is they continue to adapt for that. And so to be able to brush up on training, especially if you're going into contract negotiations, uh, there's no better time than now to get that done. I totally agree with you on that. And I think overall, uh, like we had stated on our previous podcast, uh, we had very, I think we had great success in D.C. Um, I think the E-Committee, the Executive Committee board members um, played an influential part in being able to talk to a lot of their local federal level uh, legislatures and provide that input um, that is so important because PORAC does offer such a wide breadth of knowledge and skill sets uh, with the amount of associations that we have in our in PORAC. And I think it's important that our members in Congress hear these people because they do bring that expertise to the table so they can make solid decisions on legislation that will ultimately affect the entire United States. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's our, our calling card. We're active law enforcement officers, uh, and not every organization can say that they are and are represented by folks like you and I who are actually police officers. And I do want to thank uh, Eva Rigamonte and Daryl Nirenberg with Steptoe and Johnson who really put this together for us. And it was a, it was a tight schedule, uh, but we all kept on mark. And uh, it, was, it was a solid two days again, uh, like we did in March. So I want to thank them very much. That's it for today's podcast. Stay safe and we'll see you on the next one. That's it for this episode. Make sure you tune in next time as we discuss the issues that matter. 